On this week's full-time roundup, the Premier League's week to shine. Madrid makes sure they're the class of the league at Christmas, and the Bundesliga goes into the holiday with a surprise leader. We discuss this and so much more. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into the latest edition of the full-time roundup. I'm Matt Gesslin. Rejoin this week uh, with my co-host Daniel Brackets. Of course, you heard the voice of John Hayes with us on Sunday, and then we had a midweek special episode recapping MLS. But Daniel, it is good to see you back. I'm glad that your ship made it back in time, and you didn't jump off the ship. We discussed that with John on Sunday, uh, but uh, good to see you. I know it's been a little bit of time, but we were able to still keep in touch and talk some soccer while you're on the boat. So good to see you, and welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. The cruise was fantastic. Um, the Wi-Fi was surprisingly good, so I actually got to like follow the games, and then they'd have replays on the TVs uh, on the ESPN channel. Um, so that was actually pretty nice because I actually got to watch a few matches. Um, it was just sadness for me, no jumping off of boats after the Liverpool draw. But just for our listeners, Matt is a little cranky after we are recording hot after um, you know, Chelsea suffer uh, a defeat to Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, you know, just just know as that. As if that's something new. As if a defeat is something new. So, you know, that's typical day for Matt, I guess, of late. That, that is. But so we're both we're both in uh, – I'm in Raleigh. You are in Florida, correct? Yep, we traded places. I went from north to south. You went from south to north. So we we did not uh, – you took a plane, so we didn't see each other. But, uh, yes, I'm down in Florida uh, here till next Thursday. So um, just a quick update. Next week's episode will be a day late as I will be driving back. But uh, we will be back in our normal positions uh, next week as well. So uh, holiday fixtures and holiday time of year, of course – crazy time but we wanted to get you guys an episode there's a lot still going on in in the world of football and uh you know you guys our listeners are tremendous listeners and, and wanted to keep them apprised of what's going on so we do this for you guys and uh, we make it work thankfully we can do all this virtually which is great thank you technology that that is a uh, a plus for sure so let's go ahead and and just jump right in here um premier league uh probably the the game of the week here liverpool draw uh, against Arsenal. Um, I wouldn't say it was a entertaining game and the spectacle. I mean, when you, two of the best teams in the Premier League uh, play, you, sometimes you expect like an extremely high level of football. And I, I don't think you got this uh, yesterday. Um, it was sloppy, end to end though, which is nice. Um, and chances were missed on both ends, some controversy with some penalty calls. Um, but all in all, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I'm a little disappointed not to get three points here at Anfield. Uh, but at the end of the day, a draw is still a point and we can still, you know, continue forward. I do want your opinion on that handball from Odegaard, though. Yeah, what is a handball um, nowadays, I guess, is the real question. I think everyone, each each week we continue to get a case where I thought that was a handball, but it wasn't or wasn't a handball, and I thought it was. So to me, it looked like a clear handball in the box. He, he kind of swipes at it, um, and Salah is right there. And so it's, a, it's an interesting one. Of course, uh, you would hate to see the game. You mentioned kind of the back and forthness and, and just how things started. Of course, Arsenal were on the front foot and get the early goal again. We've talked about this, Daniel, just the the issue that is Liverpool giving up early goals, but then fighting back. And uh, you mentioned, you know, end to end. And, and I was surprised at how Arsenal came out and kind of attacked you guys. Of course, we saw what happened with Manchester United against Liverpool the, the previous week and how defensive United came in that shape. And, and really people were discussing how Liverpool were going to be able to to use Arsenal's aggressiveness to counterattack and and kind of get out into into space and we saw that um, a couple of times and of course like you said end to end kind of sloppy um, you know things were just kind of all over the place wasn't high quality but again what you expect from two top teams a little bit especially at this time of year going into the break a lot of football being played and uh, you know players just kind of at their last gasp a little bit. Um, but again, that was a handball to me, would have changed the, the the outcome of the game, of course. You had the five on two as well that uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold surprisingly doesn't finish. 
So from my perspective, should have been three points for you guys as well. But credit to Arsenal, who, again, sit atop the table as we go into Christmas. Now you guys are second place after getting that point um, after Villa secured a point earlier in the day. So uh, it's still a good place to be, I would say. You know, with everything going on, you guys have still the best um, opportunity. I am concerned that you guys aren't finishing. Um, you, we saw that again against United. We saw that against Crystal Palace as well previously, where you guys are having a lot of opportunities and, and just not finding the back of the net, which is surprising. But an opportunity that you guys have going forward to kind of you know rectify that and and get that in a good place. So all in all, um, like you said, you went against the, the leaders and, and got a point. So you can't really be too upset about that performance at home. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I also, you know, the the handball for me was what really was disappointing. But, you know, I feel like it kind of made – there was, you know, chances that they missed that kind of made up for it, I, I guess, karma in a way. Um, I thought our midfield was a little concerning. Um, I thought Arsenal's midfield, even with Kai Havertz, was better uh, than Liverpool's. Um, and their defense – was pretty solid and you know you see our left back get or injured might be a collarbone um so that leaves us four fit senior defenders and then one young gerald Jarrell kwanzaa so there will probably be business to get done in january here as we kind of take up to the new year uh but uh you know a point shared and this is turning out to be a really really interesting um premier league season and uh so Next on the docket here, uh, we got which I wish City played. That would have been they did. They did play. play. Oh, they played. Was that the the fixture? The, fee, the Club World Cup, which they added oh. another trophy by the way. So their fifth trophy of 2023. Let's just point that out. But yes, they did not play in the league, and and it um, it gives them an opportunity. Of course, it's weird to see them in fifth place now after the game that we're going to get to here in a second. But they technically did play, Daniel. Whether or not you constitute the Club World Cup relevant is a different story but uh they played and they they got a trophy out of it so how hard could that be for for pep another trophy to add to the case i think that's they've won every single trophy possible to them i think that was the eighth one um that they've won uh as like a different you know different kind of trophy they take the badge from liverpool now uh, which is kind of a bummer um, but this, this next team though that, that we're about to talk about would take any trophy um so Granted, Let's whether or not you consider this trophy very important, uh, Spurs would love this trophy. They would love anything, like I said, in the trophy case. And uh, they had a game against Everton, and they, they do take care of business 2-1 in this one. Pretty wild game, Daniel. Um, of course, Spurs jump out, get the early 2-0 lead, but never felt comfortable after that. Everton fight back. They get a, a goal that is on the line, goal line technology, literally by the, the skinniness of your fingernail. Um, is ruled off, and, and this game is a 2-1 win for Spurs. Uh, it, it's one of those games, though, Daniel, where we've talked about it before, and just Ange, big Ange and the style that he wants to play, and always going forward, you kind of expect this from this team, that you're never out of it against Spurs because you can always get some offense, and there's always an opportunity. Um, of course, Richarlison gets on the score sheet again, which is a big plus for them, continuing his goal, his goal form, um, and, and, of course, Sonny gets the, the winner. Any thoughts or concerns from a Spurs perspective who do go into fourth now? Of course, although, like we said, um, City did not play, and, and you would expect them to leapfrog again once they come back on Wednesday. But any other thoughts of what we've seen at this point, or is it really just the same old, same old from Spurs? Um, I was su I was surprised that Everton didn't get more from this game uh you, you mentioned the goal line stop dan juma before that had another good opportunity um and i'm just really impressed with deitch's men right now i mean we're talking about a team that would be around like eight or seventh place right now if it wasn't for the ffp breaches i mean when's the last time you've seen everton be that good obviously they're not uh with the the point deduction but even with the point deduction they are it's they're not even worried about relegation at this point so it's less about spurs for me more about how everton are playing their football right now they came in with good form wasn't really sure if they get a result and they honestly ended up being unlucky and i'm sure deitch 
you know, had good things to say after the game, not really being negative or anything. But yeah, no, I mean, Spurs get their third win in a row, which is huge for for Angus men after a little blip. But uh, I mean, you know, Richarlison, we we said when when Madison went down, Richarlison needs to step up, and he has been in great form the last what five games. And Brennan Johnson now is is playing good ball, which is the new signing. So I'm really impressed with how Ange instills confidence. And I mean, they started Emerson Royale. They they started some some really friend squad players. Uh, Oliver Skip, which sorry John, I know he's your boy, but he's uh, I don't know, he's not the best. But um, yeah, no, I I I'd, I'd say more. This is a good learning moment for Everton been a good win for for Spurs but I mean when you're fourth in the table who the hell cares yeah you mentioned the form and a stat that I heard prior to the game of course everyone knows me and my stats and uh, some stats are more relevant than others um, Jordan Pickford was going for his sixth consecutive clean sheet in the Premier League which blew my mind going into this one wow. so you mentioned the form that Everton were in um, and just kind of the way that they played here and, and yes they they look to be in decent shape from a relegation perspective. Of course, they're still only on 16 points. Uh, they're, they're still a little bit in the battle, but you would expect the way that they're playing to pick up points against the bottom teams and really kind of separate themselves. Uh, another team, Daniel, who's been in, in tremendous form. You mentioned fourth place, um, but a team that does slip up is, is Aston Villa, who, who only get a draw, um, which was very surprising against Sheffield. Chris Wilder and his men are, are continuing to have the managers bounce and, and look like an entirely new team here under his tutelage. Again, one of the teams that you never really expected him to leave uh, in the past, and, and it's good to see him back in the way that they're playing. Should have gotten three points here at you know at Villa Stadium, which is 15 games in a row prior to this one with Villa winning. So a fortress there and they go in and, and snag a point. Um, you know, kind of where do we sit here on Villa? Is that, is that the best that we've seen in this run of form right now? Is Villa kind of peaking or have they peaked? And to your point about Spurs jump, jumping into fourth, are we really on a fight now for fourth place? Of course, let's all you know, concede that City probably will not stay fifth. Um, they probably will, will jump into that third or fourth spot at some point here in the future. So we're really looking at, you know, City, uh, excuse me, Spurs and Villa and maybe Newcastle who, who escaped yesterday as well. We'll get to that in a second, but you know, kind of what are we looking at for fourth? Is this really that battle between Spurs and, and Villa, or are we kind of really feeling comfortable with Villa, even though this was just a little blip on the radar? I think that's a legitimate statement, would say Spurs and Villa will probably fight it out for, for fourth place here. Um, I think that the, the festive fixtures and the busyness of the schedule is really hurting these teams that aren't quite top four but aren't, you know, mid-table, if that makes sense. You know, Newcastle, Villa, Brighton, all three have have faltered in recent weeks. Villa, less than the others because of the injuries. They've actually been able to stay surprisingly healthy. But every game isn't going to be an expected win. Now, obviously, you want to beat the worst team in the Premier League, no doubt about it. Um, but... At the end of the day, you know, you rescue a draw in like the 97th, 98th minute of the game. So I'm sure Emery is going to be preaching patience and focus coming up with his fixtures. But I wouldn't say this is like, I don't know, really concerning. It could just be a blip on the radar for me. Yeah, and of course, there's there's two other teams there, West Ham and Newcastle, though they're they're a little bit separated from the pack. If you look at it, like I said, we we take City out of the equation just because we expect them to jump. Uh, West Ham currently in six at 30 points, so they're six points behind Spurs, nine points behind Villa. So you, again, we're kind of looking at a two-horse race. Still a long way to go, of course. This is not even the halfway point or just at the halfway point of the season. And we're going to have so much change here in the next week or so in the Premier League, which is, of course, the only league going around the festive fixtures. So um, I, I agree with you. Um, I think the only thing that concerns me is, is just like I said at the beginning of this this er this segment is new, uh, excuse me, Villa kind of at that best of, best form of late and, and do they have another level or can they maintain there just to kind of keep things perspective and keep in that top four race or are they going to have a little lull at some point um, and, and what does that look like and, and who catches them so um, you know I think from my perspective 
again, we're looking at a two horse race. It sounds like you're kind of in the same boat. Uh, kind of, again, as we talked about that little separation here, the big one, Daniel, from the weekend, of course, a great story, um, given everything that happened last week at, at Bournemouth is, is Luton going in and, and, and surprising um, Newcastle, although at home, of course, they're not going in, but still going into this one, you expected Newcastle to take up the three points pretty straightforward, pretty easily here. And Luton, credit to them, bounce back, get a get a win for their their captain who's at home recovering, watching this on television. What a performance from from the Hatters, uh, and they take a like I said, a surprising three points away from Eddie Howe and Newcastle, who are really, really reeling right now with with everything going on on, on their roster. Yeah, they're just dropping like flies. It's crazy to see and um that was your underdog pick of the week wasn't it it was it was the matthew gesslin curse is no longer no i had sheffield i had sheffield this week oh you had sheffield okay okay that's still there was a loon at home are are a good team they are not easy i mean they gave city a ton of trouble a couple weeks back um loon if they keep this home form up they have a shot at surviving um I, I genuinely believe so i i don't know much about the coach i need to do a deeper dive but uh and i'll probably actually do that in the coming weeks but i'm just so impressed with their squad and what they've been able to do i mean ross barkley has has played pretty good ball this year um they hit the crossbar like twice in this game too so it could have been worse newcastle i don't think Eddie Eddie Howe's on the hot seat yet, just because of the injury situation. But could you see them kind of parting ways with him soon? It's an interesting one, just given the money that's been spent on this roster and the expectation of the the Saudis and what they want to create from Newcastle. I think there's another leg to this, though. I think Eddie Howe is okay for this year. You mentioned all the injuries, and you can't really put that on him. And and kind of he's doing the best that he can of everything going on of course being out of europe now they'll be able to to focus solely on and, and out of the cup as well which we'll get to a little bit later always for the cup but um you know they're out of a lot of competitions now and so they can really focus on the premier league and, and kind of get healthy and the rotation is a little easier the you know lewis miley came out of the game in the first half yesterday i think at 17 years old just the amount of minutes he's had to play is, is kind of starting to take its toll on him as well uh, i think you know again to your to your point i think eddie howe is okay um, unless it gets really dire and things just really fall off a cliff and they end up in the bottom half, which I don't see. Um, but long term, I think there's a question mark here. I've always been very high on Eddie Howe. People who know me have always heard me say I think he should have taken over at Chelsea after uh, Conte left. So I, I'm I'm a big believer in Eddie Howe and what he offers as a manager. It's just a matter of what the expectations are and how much time the Saudis will give him. Um, I think this year he's okay. Next year is going to be the real test of the tale, though, if he if he can stay in that position. Yeah, when the expectations come to roost. Um, but you mentioned, you know, a hot seat. Um, just real briefly, uh, Eric Ten Hag suffers a big defeat against West Ham. Hot, um, hot, hot seat. Very hot seat. Will we see him have a job after or through January? Oof. Uh, man, that's a great question. Of course, the Jim Ratcliffe, um, Ineos ownership, deal just got concluded today i believe if not yesterday so late either way in this window i was a big believer daniel at the beginning of the season he would have been out at the winter break um, i think had this deal been done a little bit earlier in this month i think you would have seen him out especially with the results that happened i think he gets i get i think he gets through the break just because it takes it's going to take some time for ratcliffe to get going get settled um, have have a you know a hard look at everything that's going on at the club. Of course, if you're not aware, the Glazers will be handing off day-to-day -day operations of the football operations to Jim Radcliffe and his group, so they won't be you know making club executive decisions. So again, I think he's going to have to give them some time to 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 assess everything that's going on there. But it's really ugly. Um, that was a really poor performance from United, and, and you know you're starting to see just continual. You know, individual errors, right? It, like, exactly. It, and that comes down to the manager and training and, and you know, on the ground and, and just the communication. We're going to get to another team here in a minute that is just as bad and it's just as dire situation. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he makes the rest of the season. 
Um, but I think he's okay for the moment just because, again, given the timing of everything that's going on, had this been done and closed two weeks ago before the Champions League you know, debacle and, and getting knocked out there, um, I think that's a different story. But I think he, his job is okay for now. Um, but it's really – I mean, wow, this is the worst start for Manchester United and I think it was something like 30 years. Is they got relegated more. with yeah. all those losses. That's that – yeah, I heard that. But, yeah, I mean, I was thinking maybe – his first order of business was to get him out so they could get a manager in and then you can sign some players in January um, and kind of try to resurrect the squad. But, you know, the thing is, I don't know if they can. Also with, risky. With, yeah, they may not be able to, though, with FIFA fair play rules and, you know, how much can they actually oh, true. spend on transfers. So it's a, it's really ugly right now for United across the board and uh, we'll see what happens. But I think they need it. Like I said, with this deal being done, I think they need a little bit of time to just kind of see what see where things are and go from there. And we we're talking about a manager who was fired. Obviously, Steve Cooper was fired, and you know Santos Espirito, uh is the new coach. And they unfortunately lost to Bournemouth. Dominic Solanke hat trick. Um, so good for Bournemouth to keep this hot form rolling. And let's talk about my. Do we pick. have to? Do we have uh, to? We'll keep it brief, just because it's just so bad. We talked about you know Manchester United being absolutely a joke. Chelsea. You know, in real time, lose the Wolves, like I mentioned earlier. Pochettino, hot seat. Squad is just, it's not its not looking good for the boys. Uh, you can give us a little rundown on, on how angry you are right now. I'm pretty angry, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> trying to keep it together a little bit for the show, the reaction. Um, things, if I were at my own house, might have been broken. Um yeah, this is bad. Uh, I was trying to give Poach the benefit of the doubt and give him some time, but at this point, you know, this is just basic stuff that we're looking at. And, and we talked about communication, individual errors from United's perspective. That's that's really what this was too. And you have players like Thiago Silva, who, who I love the guy; he's been around for ages, and it's probably not anything really on him. He's probably just he's trying to probably just do too much to kind of keep this team afloat. But you saw some errors from him again. Uh, Raheem Sterling, who it was a three on O um, and puts it right into Jose saw and, and it literally a three on O. I, I'm not even saying that as if it was one defender. It was literally three Chelsea players and the goalkeeper from about 20 yards out and they didn't score. So I don't know what else to say at this point. It's, it's really just, it's a debacle and they're in shambles and you would expect some time that to, for poach to get things right. But um, we did see a late Christopher and Cuckoo goal. Um, and this one, so he's he's got two goals in, in consecutive games. Welcome back. Welcome back. But is he going to make all that difference? I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of this team. This Personally, this team is a relegation team um, at the oh, moment, the way they're playing. Um, wow. We've been that way for the last two years. So this is just same old shit, and it's getting really old, to be honest. And I don't know where you start. I don't know if you start at the top. Um, if, if Todd Bowley needs to go, um, if Joe's, if, uh, poach needs to go, if it's the play, I, it's just, it's throw your hands in the air. It's worse than Manchester United, which is hard to believe. Bowley's not going anywhere. Um, unfortunately, and I trust me, Matt, I've had my experience with bad owners, um, on the U S side and, you know, Bowley's making business deals for the Dodgers right now. $700 million deal. So I don't think he's going to sell Chelsea anytime soon, but it is bad. It is bad. So Pochettino will be fired. Um, I could also see the technical director who they recently signed also be on the way out and kind of pair a coach with the technical director. Um, since some of these expensive, expensive signings have not reached out. The only bad thing where Chelsea's at is they spent so much money that they have limited funds to spend, you know, in January and next summer. If they, I mean, I guess you could pull your wizard accounting out and pull all the levers, but I mean, they spent what almost a billion dollars in three transfer windows. So they really don't have much leeway unless they do a ton of selling, which they won't because they signed all their players on eight year contracts. So the whole state of what they were doing was fishy and now it's kind of backfired on them so it'll be interesting how they rebound but sorry enough about chelsea it's too depressing for me on christmas eve we go to the bundesliga and man i've been hot on leverkusen this entire year and 
they have rewarded my faith in them with being top at the winter break. You know, we do have a, a break for Bundesliga. I think you put to the January 19th. Nice break for, for the Bundesliga. I wish the Premier League did this a little bit just to give the players a rest so the quality stays high because um, we're seeing a drop in quality, I feel like, this last couple of weeks. But they absolutely crush Bochum. Patrick Schick with a hat trick. He has been back. Boniface has been the main striker. And Schick came in and said, not so fast, Victor. I'm still around. And uh, what a performance that was. What Any uh, other thoughts on this match? I think that's the, the takeaway for me is that they were doing all this with arguably their actual number one striker. Um, and now he comes in and gets a hat trick, like you said. And, and this becomes a, a two headed monster at the top. Uh, of course, Florian Verts, who we've talked about, has been fantastic as well. Uh, so you know, I think Bayer Leverkusen are the real deal this year. Of course, we've talked about in the past that in various forms, the pressure that uh, the, the front runner has, especially when you have a uh, Goliath breathing down your neck, which is, of course, in this instance, Bayern Munich. Don't count them out, of course. Um, they beat Wolfsburg, and, and Harry Kane gets another goal. Um, I think it's 21 goals now for Harry Kane since the start of this season, which is just remarkable. Um, of course, Chabi Alonso and what he's doing there is, is phenomenal at Bayer Leverkusen. But, Daniel, this is going to come down to, to April um in march time frame when when things really if if leverkusen are still at the top and uh, and Bayern are right behind them can they keep it up we saw it last year with dortmund of course at the end the last game of the year couldn't keep it in and, and and squandered the title this is a two-horse race now i think from my perspective in the bundesliga the other teams are are really just kind of falling off and and again uh, that almost makes this a little bit more intense from a leverkusen perspective who currently although Bayern have a game in hand four points clear uh, of, of Bayern, but again, you know there is that separation. Let's 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 just give it, you know, Bayern three points for hypothetical purposes. Uh, you know, you're sitting at seven and eight points clear from third place Stuttgart, who really, you know, aren't probably the the nearest contender. Nine points from Leipzig. So again, really looking at a two horse race here in the Bundesliga, which is pretty standard for this league. And you know, you mentioned Dortmund's collapse last year, and and they did a lot of depending on on a few players, right? And I think what's different, and I, I might have said this before, is Shabi is winning with anyone, right? It's not just three, four players that are playing out of the world. They, they, you, know, you don't start Boniface. You, you sit Frempong or Grimaldo. You start Nathan Teller. You start Schick. You start Hoslek. I mean, they're banging in just as many goals when they get minutes as the front or the original starting three. This is not uh you know this is all shabby alonzo's doing it's the system the players have bought in the players love it and it's going to be really interesting because i don't i haven't seen you know a team with this much depth everyone just in such good form i don't think i've ever seen that before I, someone just steps right in and does their job like it they never left i, I just it's just so uncommon i feel like and i feel like that really has all to do with Xabi Alonso, how he man manages the tactics he does. I'm just so impressed, and I can't wait to see him coach like a top three team in the world. It will be interesting. Of course, uh, we mentioned the Bundesliga has a break. There was no game, so all these were actually midweek games um, this previous week on Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday through Thursday. Um, again, we'll we'll dive into these a little bit further next week. I know Daniel and I want to do a a kind of pre or mid-season review the table who's been the most standout team or, or players things like that so we'll cover those guys a little bit more in depth but it is a remarkable story what's going on um over in Leverkusen of course to round out uh the the Bundesliga from the midweek like I said Stuttgart do take care of business against Augsburg they, they keep in touch um like I said they're still seven and eight points behind respectively um Dortmund tie Mainz Daniel which to me of course we, we, we continually talk about Dortmund and just where are they and who are they every week. I think they continue to have that problem. And um, one of the things I know we want to kind of quickly run through the Bundesliga, but um, I'll get to this part in a second. Of course, um, Leipzig also tie Werder Bremen, which is surprising there as well. But I guess the biggest takeaway for, for this week and, and the next couple of weeks as far as the Bundesliga is concerned is, is Edin Terzic's seat hot right now 
is is there real concern for him in Dortmund and and his job? Because again, we've he, they're still in the Champions League. They're a different team in Europe. But when it comes to the league, of course, they they had the you know the debacle at the end of last year, and, and this year is really not really taken off and and kind of put that behind them. Uh, if Dortmund have any sense that then they should maybe not fire Terzic, they should promote Terzic to be in the front office. And I've seen rumblings of that because he's Dortmund through and through. He obviously has a good eye for talent. He has other skills. I just don't know if the football coach is his best role. I think like a, a director or like, you know, working under the scouting department would be a good role for him. But if they have any sense, they should probably make a move and get a new manager in. Why? They're struggling in the Bundesliga. And if they don't be careful, they will flame out of Europe very fast. And they're still in a position where they can make a run here in Europe and make it interesting, make more money, blah, blah, blah. So, and they could still obviously make up ground in the Bundesliga and get top four, maybe top three, maybe. So I would make the move now. Um, I would sign. They obviously need some signings in, in January. And I would also, you know, instruct this new manager, you know, why don't you try playing Giorena? Let's try playing Mukoko. Let's try these young, young players who aren't getting minutes under Terzic when no one else is proving that they're worthy of the minutes either. And that's kind of where I'm at with Dortmund. Totally agree with you, and it's a it's an interesting um, discussion to have. I did see that article as well about keeping him within the organization, but maybe not being the main man day to day. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. Like I said, we'll cover the Bundesliga in a little bit more depth next week. Um, of course, you also mentioned Daniel the the break that the Bundesliga has. At, same similarly in La Liga, um, La Liga will be off until January 12th. So um, great to see you know a little bit of time for some of these players to get a break, reset a little bit. Um, of course, there's been a lot of discussion in the world of soccer lately of adding more games, whether that's Champions League or Club World Cup. So um, a nice break for some of these guys. And, um, you know, again, La Liga in a, in a, a break of its own. And and look who's at the top, Daniel. Um, we thought it would be who, the, it, who it is. Um, Girona, of course, kept it tight and is not far behind. Um, we're not going to say that they're out of it, only a point behind. But, of course, the leaders at Christmas – are kind of who we thought they were. Um, Real Madrid goes top with a a win on the last day going into the break while Girona drew. Um, any thoughts, or is this not really much of a surprise? I know, you know, of course, we talk about injuries um, for Eddie Howe and Newcastle, but Madrid are in the same boat, but they continue to just move ho-hum along. We'll add two more to the list, David Alaba, with an, another ACL for for Madrid, I think that's like the fifth on the season, just ACL wise. That is not, it's not ideal because ACLs are are weird ones where, you know, is your knee, you know, as strong as it once was? There are lengthy injuries, so they're probably going to be out for the season. Rodrigo also got injured. Not really sure the full extent of his injury, uh, but if he's out for an extended period of time, this is going to shape up to be an excellent end of the Liga season because, you know, Girona is still healthy. If Madrid's kind of starts faltering just because they just have no one to score the goals and then Barca just get their shit together, like this could turn out to be a three-horse, you know, finale on the final day type type uh, season, even with Athletic Madrid, Atletico Madrid playing well at, at the moment. So it's I, – I cannot predict this because there's so many different, you know, computations that could go around but uh i'm just still i'm proud of Gerota. they they've they've done well yeah you can't you cannot deny it 45 points um at the at the break which i don't think anyone saw coming you mentioned uh, atleti and barca of course i think they're a little far behind especially the form that they've been in barca squeak by Almeria. um shabby comes out and absolutely blasts the, the team after that match of course they then get on a plane and fly to Houston um, that night and play a friendly in the middle of the season. Talk about uh, needing finances that badly. Um, but that again, friendly? like I said, it was a friendly against Club America. I thought it was Club World Cup. It, no, it was a friendly in Houston. Oh it, they God. made it into a tournament that gave a, a fake trophy at the end just to make it a little bit more formal. But it was a bona fide friendly. Um, talk about levers and, and needing some 
some finances there. Of course, like we said, though, luckily they had a break behind that because otherwise if they had to fly back to Spain and play a game this weekend, boy, I don't know what you would have done with that one. So uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, it'll be a, a tight race. We'll keep an eye on that as well. Of course, like we mentioned, a break um, until mid-January for them. So again, a lot of what we've covered here is going to be a little bit, um, you know, predated um, with us being off midweek and the games being midweek in most of the leagues besides the Premier League. So um, again, Barca though, Daniel, are you concerned? I remember at one point in the season, this was the super squad. Um, this doesn't feel like much what a of a bad take. This doesn't even feel what like a, a squad, bad take, let alone a super squad. It's so bad. Lewandowski sucks. He's, he's ridiculously bad. Like, I I genuinely cannot believe the chances he's missing every single game. I mean, I think he's just lost all confidence. It's it's sad to see, especially with a striker who just can't find the goals. You know, Xavi's even ripping into him apparently in, in the dressing room. I think Xavi's feeling the heat now. And this little turn, nasty streak that he's doing right now, this is his last attempt to save his job. Um, I don't think they would fire Xavi. I think they'd let him step down. I actually was having this conversation the other day with a friend. I don't think they would, you know, sack a club legend. But, you know, Chelsea had no problem doing that with Lampard. So maybe not. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of coach they'd go after if they were to fire Xavi. But he's not doing what he needs to do. I mean, Rafinha was a big signing, and he's still – not really hit the ground. You know, Lewandowski's sputtering. Jao Felix is hot and cold. Theron Torres, like, I'm, I'm, we're naming such good players, and they're just not playing like they should. So I'm, I'm just pretty concerned for Barca at the moment, and they cannot afford to mess up with the financial situation they're in. Yeah, uh, there are rumors um, about potentially Lewandowski moving to the MLS, um, which would be quite Ooh. interesting to see. Um, you mentioned just kind of his drop in form. Of course, he's... 36 years old there was a little bit of a drop you expected but um some of the chances that he's missed have been just absolutely mind-boggling for a, a striker who in his prime would have put those in with his eyes closed so i agree with you i think it's dire times for chavi at barca we'll see what happens i don't know if i agree with the take that he would resign versus being fired i think you mentioned frank lampard and chelsea is a great example of of legends of clubs that can still, you know, they don't just kind of sit there and get to do whatever they want. Um, it's still a business. And um, especially with Barcelona, they need to, they need to compete. They need to win tournaments like Copa del Rey. They need to do well in the champions league. They need to, you know, continue to add to the, to the balance sheet um, and kind of get themselves out of the financial troubles that they've been in. So it will be interesting. Another team, Daniel, that we've talked about with their finances being what they are, but they are offsetting that with the play on the field. Um, as we move over to Syria uh, is Inter. Um, they are just moving along and, and continuing to roll. Um, four points clear of Juventus right now. And, and big, almost more importantly, in some aspects, uh, 11 points clear of their inner city rivals, uh, AC Milan. They get a big win yesterday against Lecce, 2-0. Two, two um, of course, one of the few leagues that are being played before Christmas. But uh, any thoughts on, on Syria? Uh, this is officially a two-horse race. I am not doubting or questioning this. AC Milan are playing for third. This is between Inter and Juve right now. Any thoughts on this race? Is this one wrapped up in your opinion? Um, It's looking like it, but still four points isn't enough. I mean, the one thing that gives me hope is something we'll talk about later. You know, Inter show signs that they're not exactly, you know, perfect with, they drop a game to Bologna um, in the Coppa Italia. But when it comes to the league, they're just humming and they're starting excise the best by country mile. I think how Juventus are winning games isn't sustainable. So I do think that Inter will eventually pull away. Um, you know, Milan, uh, AC Milan, the other Milan, I think Pioli is on the hot seat here. I, I was going to ask them, because this is one of your – you've been talking about this for a long time If, if where he time. sits. It's time. Um, I don't think he'll make it out of out of January. I'm surprised they didn't fire him after the draw against Salatana, which is, I think, the bottom team, if not the second bottom team in Syria. Just not – it's not good enough. Um, people are dropping like flies. Uh, you know, that's a 
common occurrence this year with the amount of injuries in the game with all the you know world cup last year and i think it's starting to take its toll euros should be kind of interesting with just keep an eye on with that in Copa america um but yeah i think pioli won't make it i mean even his best player rafid liao's body language was shit um and you know you, you take pulisic off and i i guess you do get a goal from from luka jovic after that but they're relying on these late stoppage time draws, not even wins. So I, I don't think he'll make it out. I don't think it's good enough. There's a bunch of talk about the uh, you know the owner selling and Mal- Maldini coming back. Um, he's talked a lot of crap about you know how their that organization's run right now. Um, I think he is going to pair with uh, a Saudi group to do that. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on for AC Milan in the future. But as of right now, it's it's going sour, um, like another team that's going sour, Napoli. You know, the champions of last year are are not doing so hot. Um, so I think this is going to be the end of that era with Osimhen and and Kvetschilia and 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 players like that. I think they're going to start, you know, talking to their agents to to kind of get out of Naples soon. Any any other storylines? Well, it will be interesting with Napoli. You mentioned Osimhen. Of course, he did just sign a new contract this week um, with a $130 million clause in there. So, of course, um, Todd Bowley just got really excited that he gets to pay more money for this player. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there, there is that. I, I'm curious your thoughts, though. Of course, we thought AC Milan were pretty comfortable, you know, in third place. But with recent results, they've, they've kind of brought themselves into this top four or fourth place battle now, Daniel. there's there's We talked about it with John the other day. There's about five teams now that are kind of fighting for that fourth place spot. Um, Napoli being one of them, Bologna, who currently sit in fourth place. Of course, in, in AC Milan sit third. Um, you know, Roma get a, a huge win against the aforementioned Napoli that we talked about. Jose Mourinho never count out Jose. That's all I'm just going to say. And I wag my finger for those that don't see me. Um, any, anywhere, you know, what are the how, what are we looking at here for this fourth place? top four, I guess now, because it's not just fourth place. Like I said, AC's come back to the pack. So we're looking at almost two spots now. So, you know, who, who grabs those two spots not to put you on the spot midway through the season, a lot of parody, a lot of parody in all these leagues, which makes our job fun. You know, we don't want to talk about, you know, the same team winning over and over and over again. We, we like to, you know, talk about coaches on hot seats and the expectations and all that, um, which makes the game fun. I will get on my soapbox for a second for Bologna because they another young manager, Tiago Mata, ex Senate events submit for you know the likes of PSG and and other good teams. He wasn't even on my radar as a coach that I didn't even realize he was the Bologna coach at the start of the season, but he kind of worked his way up. I think he started with a, a Serie B team and did really well. And he he signed Xerxes. He signed some fantastic players, and Xerxes is the one that has been absurdly good this season. We mentioned him earlier in the year, but this has been his hottest form as of late. Um, and they play pretty football, and I could see you know Bologna getting one of these four spots as you know the likes of Napoli and AC Milan and and other teams of that nature are, are faltering here. Um, so. And I would be on the lookout. I think Tiago Mata could find himself at like a Juventus or a Napoli next season. Um, but I, I, I'm very bullish. I'm pushing the bullish button on on Bologna, Roma. Keep winning. I think both of those teams are turning in the right direction. Napoli and AC Milan are turning in the wrong direction. Don't count. Don't count out Fiorentina, of course, and Atalanta, who was well. my who was my top four. You mentioned uh, briefly, so it's going to be a fun race um, for that third and fourth spot. Um, we'll keep an eye on that for you, of course, as we always do. Now, Daniel, there are a couple other quick leagues that we want to get to. Of course, like I mentioned, most of these leagues do have a nice extended break um, as well. But PSG midweek get a, a big win, uh, not a big win. They got a win against Mets and and kind of take a four point lead in league uh, against um, Nice, who do get a win as well to keep pace, but four points. Um, you feel like this one's kind of wrapped and, and dusted a little bit. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. And then Eredivisie, um, PSV, 10 points clear at, the, at, at Christmas. I feel like this could be a record-setting season for PSV. They have not lost. They are perfect. Um, talk about invincibles with Arsenal in the past. This is 
not only that, because that team drew, this team has not even drawn a game yet, um, 10 points clear. So uh, the other team, another league is, of course, Benfica. You had brought this up before you went on vacation, that big matchup, uh, that big weekend in the Portuguese league with both, you know, all four top four teams playing each other. Benfica is the beneficiary of that weekend and and sits top going into Christmas. So um, again, we'll keep you guys posting all that. Those teams all do have a break till mid-January like everybody else. But of course, we alluded to it earlier, Daniel. Things are always for the cup. Um, so we want to touch on some of the cup matchups that happened midweek as well um, that while you were out. And I know you're pretty high on the Copa Italia. Um, so I'll, I'll let you kind of rant on that one a little bit here. Um, and, and before I can actually give some positive news about Chelsea, which is surprising. It is all for the cup. Like you said, this is what in the Copa Italia, why I wanted to you know talk about it today is it shows why the cup is an excellent, you know, an excellent, I don't know, opportunity for, for lower teams. And, and we saw this. So Bologna, knockout Inter. Inter actually go up in stoppage time. And then Bologna score two in the last second. And let's just let's just say that both teams played their B team. And there was only should have been one team in this match, which was Inter. And, and, and Zaghi actually specializes in these cup competitions that's how they got to the champions league final last year so i and I, I remember i was watching uh on the cruise for a little bit and i saw inter score and i was like okay they're gonna see this one out and i could not believe that bologna came back and scored two and i don't know if you saw the highlights i i recommend you do if you don't xerxy had two of the nicest most beautiful assists i've ever seen one was a a corner way to the back post and he back heels it in the air to save it from going out because it was like an in-swinger. And then someone heads it home. And then he does this nice swivel turn off a dime in the air, megs someone, and then plays the guy through to score. It was it was just prime Xerxes there. And I think he's going to earn himself a big move in January. I don't think he'll make it till, till the summer. And then Frozione absolutely crushed Napoli 4-0 in naples unacceptable if you're a napoli fan um and they're doing it with the youth you know i love a team that has a bunch of young players are giving opportunities for it and that's what they did so i love to see that um also real quick before we jump to efl ix get bounced by a third division hercules hercules or was it is that what it was hercules hercules Um, hercules hercules that's great that what a name for that and that's that's what we live for you know um the underdog. So I'm, I'm really happy. So the draws came out for EFL. Um, do you want to hit on those? Yeah. You mentioned the underdog and, and this is the beautiful story about the cups, right? And, and of course, Middlesbrough, a championship side, who's not only in the championship, but struggling as well, uh, make it to the semifinal um, and, and they do get to play Chelsea. So um, of the two draws that we could have gotten, this was the best result possible. Although who knows, they could knock us off and be a surprise. Um, Michael Carrick, don't sleep. That's true. That's true. The other side of the draw, of course, is your Liverpool who draw Fulham. Uh, These are uh, a new format, I believe, or at least recently, um, two-leg matchups. So there will be two legs for the semifinal, and then the final will be a single elimination. I am a little concerned that we get Liverpool in the final, that that will be just so much more um, fodder for you to throw my way and potentially (laughs) absolute beat down. But again, first we have to get through Middlesbrough, who – you would look at it on paper and say pretty easy matchup, but the way Chelsea have played, nothing is easy. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Those matches will begin um, in the middle of January as well, just to add to the fixture list as if it's not busy enough as it is. And and lastly, Daniel, I know we want to cover this a little bit more in depth um, as we get closer to it. And, and obviously one of the biggest cups, if not the biggest cup um, is the champions league, which did have its draw on Monday. Um, any, any quick reaction on, this, of course, we'll dive in the further here and do a more robust breakdown of the Champions League. But um, just wanted to get your quick instant reaction on the draw. Anything that stands out to you or any team that has a, an easier path than you expected? Left hand up. This is what I missed. I missed the draw completely. Well, that's why so. we're gonna do a. That's why we're gonna do a little bit deeper dive when Daniel has a chance to to get back into the swing. Um, there was a lot happened on the boat, uh, oh, or oh, didn't oh. happen on the boat. 
that is true. Uh, but I will, you know, be a mirror here and reflect. Matt, what do you think about the draw? <laughs> oh, wow. Well played. Well played. Uh, I would say the tougher, the game that surprised me is PSG, who who do get Real Sociedad. Um, Ooh. Which, which, yeah, exactly. A uh, little bit harder matchup than people realize. We've talked about Real Sociedad and how strong they are plenty of times on this podcast. Um, they currently sit sixth in the table, but I think part of the reason why that is is because they've been you know, stretched a little bit thin in, in competitions like this. So um, PSG have a game on their hands. Keep that one in mind. The other big one for me, Daniel is Inter Atleti, which hasn't gotten much discussion. Um, people kind of have glanced over this one, and, and a lot of people discuss the draw wasn't that good. Of course, when you do get a chance to take a look at it, I think you'll be happily surprised and and really enjoy what the quarterfinals could present. Um, again, everything is, you know, they still play games. They still have to play the games, and, and there are surprises. This is the best 16 teams in Europe at this point. So um, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, the quarterfinals – and beyond should be absolutely stellar if all things plan out. Um, and again, we will dive into that further on a later episode. But yeah, that that PSG one is and the Inter one are the two games that stand out to me. I just searched it up. I actually like Real Sociedad a lot, and I think that Athletic Madrid Inter game will be your nap game. Actually, more than um, likely, yes, more than likely, yeah. Man City getting Copenhagen's bullshit. That's so stupid. Um, PSV Dortmund actually should be a pretty good game as well. Uh, I think Bayern curb stomp Lazio, unfortunately. It's going to be actually not not some – I think that Real Sociedad PSG will probably be the, the match of, of the knockouts, like you said. Um, so it should be interesting, but we will hit that on depth and, you know, map out the road to the final for certain teams uh, on this next episode. We, we did kind of go a little bit long on this Christmas Eve, so hope you guys, you know, get to enjoy it on Christmas Day if you get a little – time for yourself around uh you know with family and everything sometimes you do need some quiet time throw on the pod and, and just kick it back so i hope everyone has a has a great christmas or whatever you celebrate um you know this is a time for to be around family and and, and spend time with loved ones and you know maybe you'll get a good gift where were you good for christmas matt absolutely not uh so that'll <laughs> probably not happen but uh yeah like you said a, a huge and uh, Merry, happy Christmas to everybody and all the listeners. Uh, of course, we do this for you guys. And uh, like Daniel said, enjoy the family time. If you need a break, throw us on uh, a nice, nice little hour to to kill your day. Um, get away from everything that's happening if you're if you if you need that break. But uh, we really enjoy it. Um, we Daniel, it's been good to see you. Um, John was a great fill-in host, but uh, it's good Thank to you, have the, the 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 crew back, the the OG crew for this show. We'll keep that going. Of course, like I mentioned at the top, I will be driving on Thursday, so we'll have a, a little bit later episode for you guys next week. So keep a lookout for that. But uh, Daniel, have a Merry Christmas um, to you and your family. And of course, we'll we'll be talking on Boxing Day as there's a huge list of fixtures from the Premier League. It's, it never sleeps. Uh, the game never sleeps. It, it doesn't. And- Thank you guys, and thanks again for, for John for filling in here. I will see you on Friday. <laughs>